Now that we're back from that awesome intro music that sounds like the boss level of a 1980s video game, <laughs> welcome to episode 27 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast. I am Jake. This is Evan. Hi, I'm Evan. And we are once more here again in beautiful, sunny Portland, Oregon. Our sunny per 60 metric has gone through the roof these days. Yeah, it's way better than Carter Hart's save percentage. We've got a lot to talk about today, so instead of us just sitting around, dicking around for a little bit, we're going to dive right into it. First, on the docket, a follow-up to a story that we talked about last week. The Canucks are going to stay shut down for another week, and the Canucks facility was going to open to a limited skate for those who could. However, they added another person to their COVID list this morning, so they are going to postpone that for one more day, because one day in COVID world means all the difference imagine how bad that skate that first skate back has to be just like a bunch of players wheezing on the ice (laughs) do they have walkers all of their skates have tennis balls on the bottom like (laughs) geriatrics (laughs) yeah no tough terry's just tennis balls (laughs) so as of saturday evening the canucks still had 19 players on the covid protocol list which as those of you out there who are more astute might realize that that's almost a damn near full team. It was half the team at one point, over half the team at one point. At this point, like I really don't see how the Canucks are going to play a game on the 16th against Edmonton. Well, a competitive game. They might be able to field guys, but like like RNH and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are just going to be dancing around guys who are just standing there trying to catch their breath. Or it's just going to basically be... Utica suiting up in Canucks uniforms. You feel bad for everyone involved and you feel bad for the team because, you know, they they want to play, but it's probably not in their best interests to. And unsurprisingly, hockey Twitter is up in arms. You know, this is far too of an aggressive schedule, I think, for most people's best sensibilities. So I don't know how to feel about it. I know there's a lot of people that just say, hey, play these games at all costs. Evan and I were thinking, and you know, there's one person who's technically still on contract Mm -hmm. for the Canucks who they could bring in in an emergency situation. And that is Italian businessman, Roberto Ruango. Roberto. Yeah, uh, he is technically still being paid money by the Canucks. He has, well, he has cap recapture penalty for two more seasons or one more, including this season. But that money goes from the Canucks to him? No, that's like just a penalty that they're paying because he retired. I see. So they just take the length of his wads of cash and soak them in gas and set them on fire and that's the cap recapture yes absolutely it's they they dance around it like sugar plum fairies (laughs) do sugar plum fairies dance yeah yeah they sure sure they dance um it's kind of a twerk but yeah with those bottoms imagining what sugar plums look like (laughs) sugar plum apple bottom (laughs) (laughs) boots with the fur Boots with deferred salary. Yeah. Oh, God damn it, Evan. <laughs> well done. But we figure, you know, now that Tim Peel's wiener is out of the NHL, <laughs> uh, there won't be any deflected goals that Roberto will have to deal with. What so, are the greatest scoring threats on Roberto Ruango? Tim Peel's dong has more goals than, in the NHL than Cole Caulfield at this point. <laughs> While that is sure soon to change, it's true. In other somber news, uh, Henrik Lundqvist tweeted earlier today saying that while he was hoping for better news, he had a doctor's appointment last week, and it turns out there is some inflammation on his heart Mm. or around his heart. So he's going to have to shut it down for a couple of months. It looks like he may have, you know, pushed pushed the case to get back a little quickly. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of people were surmising that it was a goal of his to come back for the playoffs and just from the exercising that he's been doing and the skating he's been doing but yeah apparently he you know has a little bit of a setback and won't be able to play 
much like everyone predicted. Especially for somebody that young to have a heart condition that required this amount of surgery and recuperation time, it's probably for the best. You know, if you if if Hank wants to make it a go next next year, cool. Yeah. Also, uh, rough news this week. Uh, star Montreal Canadian forward Brendan Gallagher went down with a bad injury. He broke his hand blocking a shot, which. I mean, that must have been a monster of a shot to break your hand through a NHL hockey glove. It sucks for him. Gallagher can come back for the playoffs. It's a He can? Si- yeah, they're saying it's a six-week timeline. So, you know, he's theoretically able okay. to come back. And since it's his hand, he can, you would think, skate for, mm-hmm. you know, you know, carefully, obviously. You don't want to fall on it. But he can theoretically keep skating on his own mm-hmm. and retain some of that. Not all of, but some of that game uh, readiness. So he can come back and like a in a Nikita Kucherov (laughs) style way, come back at the end of the at the beginning of the playoffs and be like, oh, guess my contract doesn't count. (laughs) Hey, boys, got any money? Did his injury actually open up room for them? Yeah. Right at the trade deadline. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that is that's super convenient timing for him. I mean. You saw it happen on the ice like it's it's not it's no joke of an injury and he's one of the toughest little shits out there so you don't doubt that he is actually hurt. It's no joke of an injury but we will absolutely make jokes about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean Brendan Gallagher depending on who you are, he's like Brad Marchand light. He's a little bit more of a bowling ball in front of the net, but I love him. He's in my he will be dearly missed on my fantasy team. Probably why I'm going to lose and finally officially miss the playoffs, but it's all Brendan Gallagher's fault, which is what's going to knock him down the rankings of all-time Gallagher's, I think, in my estimation. So we're just looking at Gallagher's throughout time, throughout time indeterminate. And there are several famous ones worth talking about. You have Brendan, uh, you have comedian Smashman Gallagher. Didn't he get canceled like last a couple years ago or something? I don't remember. I don't remember. He so the original Gallagher looked exactly like his brother. The original Gallagher was like, I'm done doing this. I don't want to do it anymore. Sold his act to his brother. Wait, really? Yeah. And then his (laughs) brother continued on as Gallagher doing the same bit, but like not the real Gallagher. I heard Gretzky's brother tried that (laughs) unsuccessfully. He didn't have the Sledgematic. (laughs) I did not realize that the Sledgematic was saleable property. It's passed down through the ages. Wow. It's sort of like Thor's hammer, huh? (laughs) Yes. From Ragnarok to British Columbia. (laughs) And then, of course, we have the most combative Gallagher's on the list, Liam and Noel. Frontman and I think... Lead guitarist. Yeah, but I think still ex-lead guitarist. I don't think he's around anymore. Well, Oasis is not a thing. Well, I think Noel, like, tries to... Wait, fuck. No, Liam continues to say Oasis is going to get back together, and Noel has his own band and is doing his own. I did see Oasis uh, in Detroit in probably 2005. Mm-hmm. And instead of hating each other, they were touring with Jet, who are the uh, worst band ever. Are they? They're one of the worst bands ever. <laughs> Jet came out about 45 minutes late, sucked for like an hour and left. And Oasis came out and instead of bickering with each other, Liam and Noel just took turns making fun of Jet and talking about how much <laughs> they hated them and how much they couldn't wait for the tour to be over. That's awesome. And then during a Noel guitar solo, Liam walked over and gave him a hug and said, that's me, brother. And it was, everybody in the crowd was like, oh, my God. I saw him live twice. Great band. Yeah, I never saw him live. And I was not a huge Oasis fan. I just tuned in for the drama. We just need the first two albums and then like four more songs. Yeah, that's it. And then we'd be remiss if we did not talk about uh, the families from Shameless. Both Gallagher families from the uh, British or... American shows. I did not watch the British show. I watched a decent amount of the American show. And William H. Macy is amazing playing a American drunk in Chicago. I was almost going to say Willem Dafoe. And then I was like, hmm, slightly different. Although that would be kind of funny. But have Willem Dafoe play an alcoholic drunk Chicagoan? I've never actually seen an episode of Shameless. So my Gallagher list, I think at this point, goes Noel, Brendan, comedian, Liam, and then the shameless crew because mm. they're fictional. I think that's kind of where I'm at too. Yeah. Noel, Brendan would have been first if he'd have gotten me into the playoffs. <laughs> um, let's be honest. And comedian Smashman, 
I don't find him actually that funny. I'm going to put him at the bottom. Uh, I'm gonna he's put- not funny at all, but he sprayed people with watermelons for 20 years. <laughs> he brought joy and ponchos. <laughs> Happy trails to Brennan Gallagher. Hopefully you'll see you uh, later in the playoffs. Uh, also in NHL news, Nico Hishire is going to wear a full shield for the rest of the season after P.K. Subban broke his sinuses with a slap shot to the face. It took a deflection, obviously not aiming to take out the captain here. We're not saying that. <laughs> and that's usually what does the damage, right? It's a deflection off a stick and, and right into the face. And well, sort of luckily for him, it hits him in the face shield, which no doubt cut him and hurt badly, but probably saved him from worse injury talked about cages a couple weeks ago and so he's kind of become one of our one of our men one of our guys uh joining the cage crew just like uh you know adopting our darkness as if he was bane can you imagine if nico became bane and was interviewed in between periods i as think a- <laughs> i think he actually might be can it'd be like nico it uh it looked like washington really controlled that first period what do you have to do to change that the rest of the way well do they feel in charge well they seem to really take it to you they're up three nothing and doubled your shot totals dominated possession and this gives them power over us well they certainly seem to have power over you in that period Uh, who do you need to be in the second period to take control I am Washington's reckoning, here to end the borrowed time the geriatric team has been living on. Thanks, Nico. Uh, Back to you in the studio. Explosion. (laughs) And then the stadium collapses. (laughs) Just like the Buffalo Jumbotron. (laughs) You know, obviously we're glad that there is technology out there that will allow nico to finish out the season there's probably only you know a hand there's only a handful of games left for him to play but Mm -hmm. and he's had a pretty catastrophic season as far as injuries go so getting any amount of games in for the rest of the season just to kind of get himself into a flow you know this season's gonna end and next season's gonna start relatively quickly so you know any of that extra hockey can kind of help propel them propel him maybe in the future as that captain there in new jersey but mad respect to anyone in the show that puts on the cage instead of the visor like i think it's gotta i don't know you know you're going against the grain you're kind of doing an anti-peer pressure move like good for him and or and we've talked about sean walker previously you know two of the only guys that that play with full cages in the game justin ablocator had a broken face or a broken jaw or something like that and was wearing the just jaw cage oh yeah for a bit where they were the jaw cage where they were the jaw cage and their visor but there's still that little slit in between the two which is completely ridiculous yeah you look like an alligator well there was there was one game <laughs> like a swamp yeah. monster <laughs> in one game he was trying to like talk shit to somebody and i forget who it was but they were like you're wearing a full cage shut the fuck up <laughs> In the pantheon of, like, cage chirps, like, if you wear a full wire cage, just regular college hockey wire cage, it's kind of unimpeachable. If you wear your damn fishbowl, you're asking for chirps. I don't know why. It just looks so goofy. The most pressing thing in the NHL, as we record tomorrow's trade deadline, looms for the NHL at 3 p.m. Eastern time, noon Pacific time. Last week, we started on a project of the yawn scale, which Mm -hmm. is zero to five yawns, five being the lamest trade or trade we are least impacted by ever. And this is the hockey yawn scale, not to be confused with the helmet yawn architecture scale. Uh, Helmet yawn famous for uh, like O'Hare Airport and uh, federal building in Chicago that rained when it opened. He's the one that we need to fucking blame for (laughs) O'Hare. That place is a hellhole. He did like some of the better parts of O'Hare, but yes. (laughs) There are better parts of O'Hare? Yeah, there's like three different generations of that airport. There's like- And they all suck. (laughs) It's like walking through a cave full of jet noise. It's terrible. (laughs) Yeah, he did the like white and sort of beamy parts. It's sort of industrial looking, but bright. I'll take your word for it, but I stand by my point. 
that O'Hare is the worst place on earth. I don't disagree. I fly into Midway like it's my job. Yeah, because Midway <laughs> is amazing. Midway, you just walk through whistling. And you're mm-hmm. like, ooh, this is great. Yeah. Look at this. I can see outside. I don't feel like death. It doesn't smell like death in here. <laughs> O'Hare smells like generations of angry Chicagoans pissing themselves at the <laughs> thought of not getting on their flight. Like it's it smells terrible. The last time I was there, there was just a bird just hanging out. I asked the gate agent, I was like, you know, there's a bird in here. And they're like, oh yeah, it's the most well-fed bird in all of Chicago. And I was like, is that a good thing? And they're like, ah, don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. And I just sat there and it like sat in front of me and chirped for like a good half hour. I was like, I don't have any fries, bud. I'm relatively sure and that's like the the ancient part of O'Hare with like like concrete block and like there's like no drinking fountains anywhere. That's the Who needs water? Right. Yeah. I'm not dehydrated from being on a plane and drinking the whole time. Yeah, like you're sitting there and your mouth is going it's like it's like pulling apart gum and sandpaper at the same time as the noise it makes. And the bird's like, I know where there's water. Follow me. <laughs> and you're like, Lake Michigan is outside of the airport. I can't go there. And also, it's gross. Yeah. Also, you want to drink that water. No. That water's yeah. full of E. coli from Milwaukee. So anyways, <laughs> the on scale, zero to five, zero being a blockbuster trade, like... I would say generational trade, like, like Gretzky to the Kings yeah, trade we're, is a zero. We're almost never going to get one of those trades, especially at a deadline, maybe in the summer. We'll, yeah, especially we'll, with COVID and expansion draft and flat cap and GM tight buttholes. Yeah, yeah, GMs being ninnies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hey, maybe we'll see uh, one offer sheet this year. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Five, obviously, being like a trade of two or more people we've never heard for for like a seventh rounder. Or just like picks for picks. (laughs) That's a five. We're just going to gamble and say your pick is going to be better than ours. We'll just swap you. This trade is effectively an email. (laughs) First on the docket is Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac to the Isles for a 2021 first round pick, a fourth that becomes a third if they make the finals, and AHLers AJ Greer and Mason Jopst. There were reports that this was going to be a Taylor Hall trade, Mm -hmm. and then the Devils upped their offer to the Isles, and so the trade was made. Yeah, to include Zajac, and apparently that's what made the two of them more tradable than Taylor Hall. Although, like, Taylor Hall in Islanders sweater did not seem like a good fit. No, because he isn't good and also doesn't <laughs> play defense. And Yeah, it's not exactly a fit for Lou Lamorello. I think we're going to go with maybe two yawns on this one. Yeah, two yawns. I mean, I'm excited for Palmieri and Zajac. I think they're great fits in the Islanders. The Devils GM, whose name is escaping me right now, said like the cutest thing about them on the way out the door. Yeah, I hope this pick is the 31st. Let's have these guys win a cup. And they've been nothing but good soldiers, did classy exit. And yeah, it would be awesome to see the Islanders win a cup. Uh, I cheer for the Islanders every time they make the playoffs just because I have friends on Long Island, but also they're a perennial underdog, like even in their own market. The big part of this, I think, is that so Palmieri is actually one of the better power play players. Oh yeah, in the NHL, I, I think I read somewhere he was like sixth or seventh, had sixth or seventh most power play goals in the league this year, and like that's a historical trend, especially for a guy who, you know, he's not scoring Kucherov level goals, but he always produces on the power play. So that's a it's a it's a big boon for the Islanders. I'm with you. I I really like the Islanders. I I will definitely root for them to come out of the East. I don't know if that's because I don't care for the other teams in the East <laughs> or if I just like the Islanders. I do like Barry Trotz. And I like Matt Barzell. He's oh, that just beautiful boy. Yeah, he's beautiful and has put together some amazing highlights this season. Like you just want him to be rewarded for that with a deep playoff run. Next up and stay with me for a second because this gets weird. <laughs> Columbus traded David Savard to the Red Wings for Brian Lashoff and retained 50% of David Savard's salary. The Red Wings then traded David Savard, Red Wings legend David Savard, to Tampa Bay while retaining 50% of his of that what was left of his salary for a fourth round pick. The Bolts then traded a first round and a, a first round this year and a third round next year to Columbus for Brian Lashoff. 
It's there, a three-team trade that the NBA would be jealous of. Yeah, the end result is that 75% of Savard's salary is retained this year, thus making him actually be able to fit under the cap mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay. I, I think, you know, David Savard is a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll be great on the right side. Tampa's loaded on the left with Chernak and Hedman and Sergachev. Yeah, so, they could use a little bit more defensive defenseman depth. Yeah, he's going to – he'll probably play on that second or third pair. Um, I, he kind of fills that Zach Bogosian stay-at-home defenseman who has a ton of experience and can, you know, just help kind of solidify their defense for the playoff run. Obviously, they've paid a premium here for to get under the cap with these new players. You know, a, a first and a third and a fourth, they are paying a lot for other people to pay their player. We speculated last week that we were going to see very few first round picks get traded. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that that's going to be the price of business because you need people to retain so much salary. But also... 2021 draft picks have obviously been discounted. I mean, I look at this 2021 first and 2022 third and wonder which ends up being a better draft pick between the two of those. I mean, 2021, you're having a ton of problems scouting anybody. A lot of players aren't playing, so it's going to be a really difficult draft. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be those madness. Of us, for those of us not involved in it, it's going to be great. <laughs> I would say maybe three yawns on this. David Savard's a good NHL player, but mm-hmm. like... Yeah, three I, yawns. May, I think that's... We could pump it up to two just because of the the gymnastics that were involved. Right. That's kind of fun. I'll say two yawns. Also in Red Wings land, John Merrill, defenseman, traded to Montreal for a fifth round pick. And assistant general manager Pat Verbeek's nephew, Hayden Verbeek. And is he any good? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, John Merrill, who's been one of the better Red Wings defensemen this year. Which doesn't say a lot, but also the defense has been significantly better this year than it was last year. Oh, yeah. And mostly on the backs of him and Troy Stetcher. Yes. They trade Troy Stetcher. I'm going to be so sad. They're not going to trade Troy Stetcher. He's, He's I mean, controlled for another year. Canucks Twitter might trade for Troy Stetcher. <laughs> Canucks Twitter traded for Troy Stetcher 300 times in the last week. <laughs> they fucking love that, man. And so do no, Red Wings fans. No doubt. We're like, no, Why? you can't have this. Also, I saw John Merrill's head of salad. His flow is uh, something to oily. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's worth a fifth round pick just alone. Yeah. So I, I really like John Merrill. I, I think he played well for the Red Wings, but. And I think he's going to be a good fit on a third pair for Montreal. Still, this is like a four-yon trade, I think. Well, maybe three. He's a he's a legit NHLer. And no, it's curious. A it's a four. Enough to to make this happen. Montreal waived Victor Mete Meaty Mete Mete. I like meaty. I like meaty too. Yeah, he's such a meaty boy. And everyone was displeased by that move because. His underlying metrics are pretty good, and he's a young player. So, as someone said, of course he'll go unclaimed off of waivers. <laughs> Nobody's claiming shit off of waivers right now. Next was, well, the trade is, uh, the Devils acquired Jonas Siegenthaler for a 2021 third-round pick from the Caps. At first, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Why are they trading for people? And then you kind of laid it out really well with, you know, the 2021 draft is going to be more of a crapshoot than ever. Jonas Siegenthaler is a fairly solid NHL player who's stuck in a logjam and Washington has no place for him. He's a second round draft pick who slid. He was sort of thought as a first round pick. He's an international player, good frame, and his underlying metrics are amazing. He's like 90 percentile of wins above replacement. So this is just the devil's taking a solid swing at what could be a decent to above average player. And a third round pick? Yeah, why not? A third round pick in a year where everybody is just kind of like throwing darts. And at I think he's got some term too. Still though, like four yawns. Mm, yeah, because I didn't know who the hell he was. Yeah. He's got a great name. Yeah, let's Jonas go. Jonas Siegenthaler. He sounds like the next bad guy in Die Hard. The next trade then, and this is such a snore. Like this might honestly, I know... I, is it I, a snore? I actually yes, talked absolutely. with some people on the interwebs. I think this has the potential to be interesting, but yeah, interesting in that he's if 
Colorado has to play Devin Dubnik so, in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> like they should just like wave the white flag. So by the way, Colorado yeah. traded fifth round pick to and an AHLer Greg Patterin. Yeah, Greg Patterin is a U of M guy. Yeah, to to San Jose for Devin Dubnik, who has been bad for two years. Yeah. And you know, I was kind of arguing with some people like, yeah, he's been on bad teams. And they were like, he's the he's what made them bad teams. Yeah. And it's actually like the statistical proof there is kind of in the pudding that, yeah, he was part of the reason that Minnesota sucked. He was worse than Martin Jones this year. And you know he's bad because the Sharks traded for him. And last year he was worse than Alex Stalock. I will say this. I badmouth the Sharks. This is a little bit off topic. Real they might quick, make the but, fucking playoffs. Well, I badmouth the Sharks a lot on here because I think they're they're dumb. a cap nightmare. They're they're they are a, they a, are a, yeah one of the most poorly run teams in the NHL. However, they did start a podcast called Teal for Change, which is working towards using their platform as an NHL team mm-hmm. to make hockey more inclusive. To talk about trans rights talk about gay rights gay rights hate in the nhl ways of making the game more inclusive Mm -hmm. and that deserves a shout out i listened to there's two episodes right now i think and the second one features curtis gabriel of the san jose sharks Mm -hmm. and brock mcgillis who is the first out gay player it's really great take a listen to it it's on spotify it's all over the place if you're listening to our podcast you can probably find their podcast it's called teal for change but this trade sucks Yeah. Uh, it's five yawns. This five? Is a, this is a terrible trade. It's so boring and awful. Colorado has now two five yawn trades, four backup goaltenders, both of which suck. If well, Devin Dubnik had a pulse, this would be a four yawn trade. Jonas Johansson so got his first like win and shutout, I think. He's playing for Colorado. They're so, very good. Thank you for starting... <laughs> me on my point relative to this trade um i guarantee this leads with me making a fart noise but (laughs) but continue i don't think this goes above four yawns unless somehow dubnik starts and like really makes an impact some point in the late season of the playoffs he has a chance to i mean devin dubnik is notorious for being a bit of a head case not exactly being like a bad guy or anything, but he's streaky. He will, you know, get a shutout and also let in one goal and then five. So he's a goalie. (laughs) Right. But he is especially one to deflate a team with like bad body language as he, like his last year in Minnesota, it was obvious. He just did not want to be there for whatever reason. And you're really selling this as a four on trade for me. That was a joke. (laughs) I think you get him off of middling teams and on a true contender like Colorado. And that may spark him, uh, really motivate him to try and recapture his previous form. I mean, I'm just kind of speaking to motivation here for someone that is obviously a, a mental game dependent. It turns out Devin Dubnik is actually a listener of the podcast. And- <laughs> This is, <laughs> we have been paid by the Colorado Avalanche to pump him up at, before his first game. <laughs> pump your tires, bud. None no, of this that is, is uh, <laughs> none of that is true. I don't know. I think uh, there's some underlying potential here for this to be interesting because Grubauer has, it, it, that, that entire goalie roster is about as brittle as a Land Rover engine. You know, it, it's like that Land Rover dealership down on Broadway. You know, they have six out front, but you know, four of them won't start. They've amassed a bunch of B minus caliber goalies, hoping one or two of them can. B minus is a little high on the scale there. (laughs) At this point, I don't think, I think those are all D caliber goalies, except for Grubauer. By NHL standards, could could they come and play in our league and dominate? Absolutely. But Dubnik is only two years removed from being fantasy relevant. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he will be bad. But yeah, if you are really reading the tea leaves, it looks like he probably won't make much of an impact there. I'm interested. I appreciate you, Evan, for being the optimistic half Mm -hmm. of this. And no one would ever call me an optimist normally. 
Yeah, <laughs> which is why this it weirds me out whenever you go on one of these tracks. I will just say fart noises. That's what I th- and this is okay, four and a half yawns then. All right. <laughs> when we split our difference. I just think that yeah, it doesn't actually raise the trade that much, but I'm kind of, you know, have a little bit like little googly eyeballs will be watching this. The next trade that we're on uh, Brandon Montour to Florida for a 2021 third round pick. I actually really like this trade. Same here. I think that's a really good pickup by Florida, and I'm happy for any player escaping Buffalo. Exactly. And Montour is going to go in. He's obviously not going to replace Aaron Eckblad. No. But he had, he does have a lot of potential for offensive upside. He was a very good offensive defenseman before he went to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened in Buffalo, but nobody's good in Buffalo. <laughs> not, yeah, a, a lot of things that were supposed to happen in Buffalo haven't. So like, it's hard to count that individually against anybody i think that of the trades that have happened th- thus far this one outside of the palmarian zajac trade i think has the potential for having the most impact uh, agreed florida is flying this year they lost their captain they needed to replace some of his minutes and some of his offensive production on the back end now they've done it and mm-hmm. you know we'll see how it, how it goes moving forward. You know, Florida is probably the team that I'm rooting for the most. I think as we go into the playoffs, yeah, Florida or the Islanders for me too. I, I just think you know they've been bad for so long, and this right. year they're absolutely great. Yeah, I went to see Yager. I called it Yager Church. Uh, my dad lives outside of Palm Beach, and there was nobody in that stadium. Yeah. Uh, and there, and Florida you know, fans don't deserve a good hockey team, but. Since there's actual human beings on the team and we'd like them to do well, cool. Well, I mean, when that team is good, that stadium is packed. Like, Florida fans. Oh, you mean do- they're like every other <laughs> fan base in the world? No, but uh, they do come out of the woodwork. The Panthers have been, they've been scratching and clawing their way in Florida sports hierarchy. But yeah, it, that's one of the reasons you kind of root for them, is they're a little bit of an also rad. I'm going to say. Two and a half yawns? Oh, two? Okay, I was just going straight for three. Okay, let's say three then. Because, what, he's he's up for this after this year, or does he have term? Brandon Montour is up after this year. Okay, so looking at their defensive depth, you kind of think he might actually resign there. But they maybe that's just me. But he got out. But he got out, and because of that, we applaud him. It's like anybody from my hometown that like lives anywhere else now. I'm like, you got out! One of us! <laughs> Next, another... Red Wing defenseman being traded. That's four if we're counting Red Wing legend David Savard. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick Nemeth went to Colorado for a 2022 fourth round pick. Is Patrick Nemeth anyone you cared about? No, not but not because he's bad or because I dislike the Red Wings or whatever. He's he was a very solid defenseman last year in a sea of mediocre defensemen. He was the best. Mm hmm. His underlying numbers on five on five are pretty good. He's a solid, a decent shutdown defenseman. Okay. You're not going to get any offense from him. I'm guessing that he's going to play on the PK and he's going to play on the third line in Colorado. Fourth round pick in 2022 seems like pretty solid haul for him. I think it's a it's a fair trade. It's a four yawner. Yeah, you can me. say a lot of things about Stevie Y this year. He's been busy. He is gathering all your picks. (laughs) All your pick are belong to us. So the next trade on the list is the Florida to Chicago pipeline working again. The Blackhawks traded Lucas Walmark and Lucas Carlson to the Panthers for Brett Connolly, Henrik Borgstrom, who's a former first round pick and currently playing in Europe, and Riley Stillman. Uh, and also a 2021 seventh round pick. And then Florida also picked up Nikita Gusev after his contract was terminated by N- New Jersey Devils. All kind of interesting picks, both pickups by, by Chicago and pickups by Florida. You know, a lot of buying low on talented players that have either not performed or underperformed. Brett Connolly's a decent NHLer. Henrik Borgstrom has the potential to maybe be one. I thought it was a nice signing by by Stan and also, you know, good plays by Florida. I mean, they are trying to shore up their depth ahead of a playoff push and also an expansion draft. So, you know, why not? It's a four yawner, but uh, a conditional three yawn. Like, <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Um, so that's all. Well, let's refresh cap friendly. Yeah, make let's sure, make sure no one else has gotten sure traded while we were doing happened. this. Holy that's, shit, Taylor. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, boo. All of Taylor the Hall for ri- Drew Doughty? No way. <laughs> all the hockey writers on Twitter have been like, okay, I'm going to get some sleep. Please, no one be traded. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And then they wake up and they're like, well, nothing happened because it's the NHL trade deadline and nothing happens. It's the exact opposite of the NBA trade trade deadline. Yeah, I think these NHL teams must have brought in NBA GMs to make the David Savard trade happen. Like that's not an NHL or trade. That's like a like Stevie Wise he's starting to get there. He's uh, making some he's wheeling and dealing and I love it. Eisenman called up Brisois at the trade deadline for the NBA and was like we can do something like that. And Breezeball was like, <laughs> yeah. Why, why? I mean, what's stopping us? And Eisenman was like, only our ambition. <laughs> <laughs> and then hung up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Julia Breezeball just sat there and was like, I, I, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> His wife is like, was that Steve? He's like, yeah. Yeah. She's like, he's like, how'd you know? Because you look confused. <laughs> it's the 10th time he's called today. <laughs> you look perplexed. <laughs> He hasn't even offered you a player. He's called you 15 times. He just keeps saying motivational quotes into the phone and hanging up. And every once in a while saying, I am Batman. (laughs) (laughs) We don't normally tell you when we take a break in our recording, but we just took a break. We're like, oh, we got to pee and get some more beers and drinks and waters. And while we were doing that, a trade happened. (laughs) And so fancy that you're going to you're going to get this two days late. But to us, it's breaking news. Breaking news. We're on the cusp. Cutting edge stuff. So this has been announced by the teams, but it looks like it was first announced by Elliot Friedman. Elliot LeBron. Elliot LeBron, Drager, Friedman, the fourth. (laughs) The The super pundit. Yes. The Maple Leafs are going to acquire Nick Foligno and Stefan Nozen from Columbus and San Jose, respectively. The Blue Jackets are going to receive this year's first round pick from Toronto and next year's fourth round pick from Toronto. The Sharks are going to receive a fourth round pick this year from Toronto. Watch Toronto flame out in the first round and those picks become awesome. Well, I mean, that would be Toronto's thing. right? And then Toronto would just completely combust. So just like the trade involving David Savard, 75% of that salary is going to be retained because the teams used an intermediary to retain an extra 25% of the salary. The Sharks are retaining 25% of Nick Foligno's salary. The Blue Jackets are retaining 50%. This is, on the surface of things, isn't that big of a trade kind of a three honor yeah nick felino solid player what he's gonna play third line minutes in toronto probably absolutely i mean he's he's a solid player he's he was the captain in columbus so that makes things interesting but they are out of it out of it at this point so it makes sense to sell this trade is probably like a three honor I would say. Yeah, totally. Nick Foligno solid. And might play some pretty high quality minutes for Toronto in the playoffs. I think this is a good trade. You know, he can play, Nick Foligno can play all across your your forward lines. Mm-hmm. He can play any position up there. He's got a great playoff beard. Already. Um, he's And he had a great playoff last year and two years ago. Oh, yeah. So you He's know, a good he's, playoff performer. Yes. So I think this is a great trade for Toronto or a solid trade for Toronto. The real amazing thing here is that gm jarmo turned david savard and nick felino into six picks two of which are first rounders there's your gm of the year award right there so super exciting well no it's it's probably a three honor of a day in trade deadlines uh trade deadline as far as trade deadline days go if anything else happens in the next you know 40 minutes while recording we'll jump in but we're going to move on something else we're exciting about excited about is the return of the pwhpa eventually yeah unfortunately they had a couple games that were scheduled for this weekend that got postponed yep they were supposed to play in st louis st louis was like hey maybe we should do the right thing and not have these (laughs) games and they're actually like a conservative league when it comes to covid exposure because their players do other things with their lives as opposed to the NHL, which is like, no, 
You play now. Yeah, we're gonna force the schnell. Canucks. We're gonna force the Canucks to play. Schnell, schnell, play. <laughs> Just diving into German, huh? <laughs> Those games have, my understanding is yet to be rescheduled. Yeah, because they only scheduled them like a month ago. Yeah. So. Um, or announced the scheduled games like a month ago but yeah it's a bummer that they're not going to play them this weekend we were kind of looking forward to watching them hopefully they get rescheduled pretty quickly here but this is all just a segue into yeah this is all just a segue into yet another say black eye on women's hockey yeah it was a bummer so another tough situation for women's hockey i mean there's a lot of Differing opinions, different points of view that go into making the NWHL and the PWHPA. But suffice to say, trans inclusivity is a touchy subject and a very tough issue that these leagues have to deal with. And Digit Murphy didn't really do a whole lot for a lot of people with, you know, sort of where she's allowed herself to end up on this issue. For those of you who don't know, Digit Murphy is the first and only coach and current coach of the Toronto Six, one of the NWHL's teams. An expansion team this year who gained some cachet in having Digit Murphy, who is a celebrated women's coach, be their coach for their inaugural year. Yeah, Digit Murphy is one of the most celebrated female coaches in women's hockey of all time. She's also a member of the Women's Sports Policy Working Group, which is a, a consortium of folks in women's sports that works as kind of a lobbying agent for mm-hmm. women's sports. Uh, they, they lobby hard for Title IX and continued usage and expansion of Title IX, mm-hmm. which on that end, awesome, cool. Yeah, Title IX is routinely kind of maligned and also... Uh, doesn't have as much teeth as it should when it comes to really enforcing pay parity and funding parity across women's sports. And so this sports lobbying group released a statement recently on their website about trans athletes. Mm-hmm. On their mission page, it says, Our mission is to affirm the legal permissibility of separate girls and women's competitive sports teams while including all trans girls and trans women's under the girls and women's sports umbrella. Sounds pretty good, right? Wrong. We reject both the effort to exclude trans, exclude trans girls and trans women from girls and women's sports. Cool. All right. And the effort to disadvantage females by forcing them to compete against some trans athletes with male sex linked physical advantages. Womp womp. There is a middle way. A middle way? <laughs> yeah, how, how kind of you to embrace that middle way while not doing that. Not at all giving us a middle way. Before I get angry. I mean... <laughs> and I get... Yeah, so it, it is a fundamentally trans-exclusionary statement that is caged in sort of social justice speak. There's also a Q&A. Oh, on. Or an FAQ on the Women's Sports Policy Working Group. Frequently asked questions. Why aren't you more inclusive of, of trans people? Yeah. Uh, well, Them. We don't know. Yeah. They're, the two questions that relate to trans athletes, uh, the first one is, why do we need to take sex or at least sex-linked traits? Oh, before we go, this is uh, we're taking this both from the their website the Women's Sports Policy Working Group website, and this was first brought to our attention by Melissa Burgess on Twitter, um, which is at underscore Melissa Burgess. Again, the first question relating to trans athletes is, why do we need to take sex or at least sex league traits into account when thinking about whether and how to include trans girls and women in sport? Their response is, we want to be inclusive of trans girls and women, But if we care about sex equality for females and we want to affirm the category girls and women's sport, we cannot ignore biology. Mm. (sighs) It gets worse. It gets worse. Do we really? I mean, I feel like we have enough to talk about already, but just keep going. Just keep going. Let's bring out the let's bring out the worst hammer. (laughs) Transgender athletes are rare. 
aren't there so few trans girls and women that we should just make an exception and let them in based on their gender identity? The response on this FAQ is, just one or two trans girls who are decent athletes will displace a lot, in italics, a lot of females. (sighs) Okay, A, I have yet to see any hockey player be on any roster and displace more than one player. So a few displacing a lot doesn't make any fucking sense to start out with. Thank you, Evan. I, I, I'm caging my rage by stretching while we're recording. Um, furthermore, keep going from the Women's Sports Policy Working Group, it is essential that we continue to safeguard girls and women's sport. It is also good policy to be inclusive when doing so does not harm the female sports competition or the individual's separate sex sport is designed to protect. Congress and the administration should make clear should make it clear that institutions governed by Title IX and Education Amendments of 1972, the Ted Stevens Olympic and Amateur Sports Act, the Sports Act, and Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 will, one, continue to be obligated to provide males and females with equal sporting opportunities on the basis of biological sex, and, <sighs> yeah, oh, no, I can't. I keep saying it gets worse because it keeps getting worse. (laughs) Two, be newly obligated to provide ways to include trans girls and women in girls and women's sports that ensure competitive fairness and playing safety without diminishing the protection of biological females. What this is, is exactly like the trans athlete bans that are popping up all over the South in the United States right now. It's saying, no, 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 we totally think that trans people should be athletes, just not in sports. Right. It's some bullshit. And I won't pretend it's not a difficult problem to cut through, but we believe that all trans athletes are the gender that they say they are. And in a sport like hockey, it really doesn't end up mattering. And let's let's just say this, just so just so people are fucking clear on where we stand. <laughs> trans women are women. Their birth sex does not determine what they can or cannot play in terms of sports throughout the rest of their lives. We've been lucky enough to share the rink with, you know, a couple of different trans players who have both gone male to female and both have taken a very big hit in terms of performance kind of observed one transition that has sort of been more out in the open. And then one, one person I played with both when they were a man and then kind of after playing with them, being a woman for a while, figured out that this was the same person. And yeah, it's with all of the medical procedures you have to go through with all of the hormone therapy, you take a step back in athletic performance, no matter what, no matter who you are, if you're going to, it's hard on your body to do. It's incredibly hard on your body. It's like a running joke that a big guy can become a woman just to dominate at sports. Like, like Joanna, man. (laughs) Yeah. And it is fundamentally a fucking joke because it has not been demonstrated to have happened at all. But basically it boils down to trans women are functionally women. You go through a lot to become a trans woman and that's enough. Unfortunately, it's not enough for a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of frail, insignificant, and callow-ass <laughs> old white dudes out there who have boxed themselves into this mediocrely small idea of what a human being is. Yeah. And to them, a human being is largely signified by being white, being cisgendered, straight, conservative, and Christian. And having a dick. Yeah, meaty clackers (laughs) if you are outside of that box you are the other you have been othered and we will continue to other you correct so not we as in evan and i but like you know old white dudes in the south Mm -hmm. well well, pretty much anywhere thankfully we're not old white dudes yet we're just middle-aged white dudes tennessee arkansas and mississippi all have trans sports bans Mm -hmm. on on the books Mm -hmm. the state of arkansas has also taken the extra step of banning health dollars going towards gender affirming procedures and therapies for people under the age of 18, thus locking people who are fully aware of the 
discomfort they have in their assigned birth gender into that birth gender until they're 18. I imagine that working a lot like tattoos where like all the cool trans kids with the cool parents will get the gender affirming medical treatment while you know the the people that are left out in the cold with the crappy parents are going to have a whole lot of harder time becoming who they fundamentally feel that they are or the parents who are cool who have money mm-hmm. and can afford those surgeries yeah, and their exactly gender I mean. affirming procedures yeah but you remember those like kids that would get huge horrible tattoos at 16 and 17 oh yeah people started getting them in like 13 in my high school Whew. yeah barbed Rebels. wire man barbed wire man uh, barbed wire was my high school mascot that's, imagine that that's your high school mascot was a terrible tattoo Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, it was actually a crow on barbed wire and so we were called the barbs ah well your your rival mascot was the tribal tats <laughs> white white guys with tribal tats oh i wish yeah. oh god i wish no we had the spartans and the hubs that was a, a nearby one anyways it's super disconcerting to see these states that largely can't pass laws that benefit their the own citizens, citizens yeah. of the states right these are the these are the states with that are like money takers from the federal government have dog shit for infrastructure and tons of impoverished people that get no support but they're really good at passing laws to further discourage disparage and eliminate marginalized folks yeah it's it's absolutely disgusting and you know i hope there's some pushback on this from sports and cultural institutions like there was for the Georgia voting law where the Major League Baseball All-Star game got moved to Colorado because that law was equally as bullshit but affects a more mainstream population, whereas these trans-exclusionary laws also are passed in states that don't really have Major League sports teams. It's equally discouraging to see the coach of a women's hockey team, part of that discourse mm-hmm. that discourages and further marginalizes trans women. You can put out a statement all you want that says, we're all for inclusivity, but when your next <laughs> statement clearly shows that you're not for inclusivity, you are you're further damaging because you're acting as an ally when you're actively acting against those people. Right. That's not even performative allyship. It's fake it's wannabe allyship because you're turning around and undoing everything you say you do in the sentence that follows your social justice preamble it's like digit murphy walked up to a trans athlete and clapped him on the back and was like i stand with you but what they had really done is put a sign on that athlete's back that said trans women aren't women and And let's you know i always feel like we need to unpack the sins here Digit Murphy is a member of this working group. She could probably undo the damage by disavowing this group and saying, I learned X, Y, Z about why my prior position was wrong and we're going to move forward. She's had a week to do so and has not released a statement. Right. And also the Toronto 7 Twitter liked a trans-exclusionary statement and that caught the ire of a lot of uh, kind of Twitter watchers, and they quickly unliked it, but the Twitter watchers screen grabbed things and the damage was done, and that's how that whole thing always works. They also put out a video on Twitter with one of their players talking about mental health for athletes and women mm-hmm. during COVID time. And it's like, you just shit all over the mental health of trans women. Yeah, of several athletes in the NWHL right now. And as Some people pointed out the NWHL has a trans inclusion policy. It's not super trans friendly in that it includes some biological testing and rules against women that are transitioning to men playing. I don't exactly have good ideas about how to cut that problem better, but I know some people do. There are professional consultants that could bring better trans inclusion policies to the NWHL and I think make it a better league, a more inclusionary league and a stronger league that, you know, can retain its trans players support more while essentially being the same competitively for its born female people 
in the league. When it comes down to it, you need to take a stand. Mm-hmm. And if you are a league that is trying to couch yourself as a inclusive and welcoming and open and tolerant league, then banning trans women from your sport flies in the face of that. The NWHL's trans inclusion policy, as many people point out, was kind of retroactively decided upon when a couple of their athletes decided to transition. That's my understanding of kind of how this tenuous NWHL inclusion policy came to be. My whole point, I think, is now is the time for action. Now is the time for this league, other leagues to come out and support trans athletes Mm -hmm. in making them feel welcome and making them feel comfortable playing the games that they love. If Digit Murphy is against that, that inclusivity, then she should be fired. Yeah. And it would be nice to know where she actually fully stands as a person on it before it comes to something like that. Right. That's what I'm saying, though, is she has this came out a week ago. Mm -hmm. She has had plenty of opportunity to come out and say to disavow the group, which several people on Twitter have pointed out has a long history of transphobia. If she comes out and says, I am disavowing this group. These are my beliefs. They are inclusive of trans women in women's sports. Cool. She can stay. But if she is silent or she comes out and reaffirms in favor of what has come out, then she should be fired. She should be removed from from her position and Toronto should find a new coach because we cannot and will not tolerate this sort of bigotry in our sports. We are learning as we go Mm -hmm. and that, you know, as two straight white men in the United States who come from positions of privilege, we understand that we have more to do on our part and we're willing to do that. But like our stance as a podcast is we are in favor of trans women being allowed to participate in women's sports because trans women are women. Yeah, completely and totally agree. I would say as a straight white male who has learned over the course of his life to be more accepting of difference. You know, it doesn't, you don't go from zero to 100 in one step. There needs to be a place for education. There needs to be a place for showing people that their antiquated ideas are antiquated and are wrong. And people need to understand that you can learn and move on from antiquated ideas without getting pitchforked because i think i think there's a problem somewhat with like liberal people in the media in that they get tired as a liberal person like i get tired of seeing batshit conservatives in and out of fox news every day blah 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 and so you know if i am if someone is put in front of me that doesn't know their own bigotry i can be too mean like that is a thing whereas if i were more educational and accepting that maybe they're not trying to come at this from a place of bigotry. They just don't know. I think there's knowing is one thing, right? But you have to admit that you don't know. Right. And be open to educating yourself and listening to the stories of trans or any marginalized population Mm -hmm. so that you better understand where they're coming from so that you can be an ally in the future. Exactly. And as a person who I don't like to not know things and I like to kind of pretend that I'm always right. It's not easy to accept that you're wrong, whether it's on trans issues or fantasy goalie scoring. It's, you know, sometimes can create havoc inside and outside your mind. I'm still hurt from Evan's hurtful words about fantasy goalie scoring earlier this season. There is something that is inherently human about not abandoning a bad point when you are challenged on it. Like that is something that Hidden Brain talks about. That's something that This American Life has talked about. Like when we have a shitty position and it is challenged, it's like roll the dice and 50% of the time you're going to double down on that shitty point because of machismo or whatever. But you can't do that. In order to progress as a society, people that have antiquated points need to concretely find out that their points are antiquated and they need to learn from them 
and then they need to go back to participating in society as essentially new people. It's okay to have antiquated opinions as long as... Not really okay, but what I'm... Acceptable. Hear me out. (laughs) It's okay to have those opinions if you're willing to listen and educate yourself so that those antiquated opinions start moving towards a more positive and constructive and inclusive light. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to have these antiquated opinions and just sit on them and dig your heels in and continue with, you know, the misogyny, the racism, the homophobia, the transphobia, you know, the like, it's not okay to have those opinions and then just say, you know, fold your arms and say, "Hmm, I'm right. Like that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't even help you because correct. Once I have this theory and it goes, once you're not evolving, you should just fucking die. So <laughs> learn or die. Yeah. Vote or die. No, it's like, well, we voted in 2016 and we died anyways. But <laughs> like learn as you age, learn as you as as you intake new things, as mm-hmm. new points of light show up in your black sky. Learn what those are about and take them in and like turn turn over a new leaf and become a better person. It's it's actually not that hard. It is hard, however, as Evan said, to admit that you were wrong. And that's the hardest Yeah, it's part. hard to get started. I mean, like anything, change on a personal level, the hardest part is getting started, is mentally saying yes and, and accepting, you know, there needs to be some change here. I always go back to Chris Rock, future saint, in his appearance in the movie Dogma. And uh, what he said... It's better to have ideas than beliefs because beliefs are like written in stone into your core being. Ideas, ideas can change. Ideas can evolve. And to hold bigoted ideas dearer than kind people is always going to be a travesty. And it's what what a lot of people do when they exclude on the basis of race, sex, and whatnot. Is that you're you're choosing an idea over a person. Choosing a belief over a person. Yeah, choosing a belief. I mean, either way, if you're going to choose an idea over a person, it better be a really good fucking idea. And I don't, I don't think of any ideas in my life as better than any person in my life. Usually, if there's an idea that I would exclude a person, it's that idea that needs to change. And it's, it's funny how many ideas can be modified relatively easily mm-hmm. to become inclusive. Correct. Like I'm, I'm looking at you, Christianity. Um, <laughs> it's unfortunate that we have to keep talking about this. But, but we do. We do have to keep yes. talking about this because we have to keep these institutions' feet to the fire and, and these people's feet to the fire to be either force or show them that exclusion is not the right way. And sometimes you can be all well-meaning in the world in the name of competitive fairness when you're still being exclusionary. I mean, we're seeing like a a resurgence of TERFs these days, basically. TERFs being trans-exclusionary radical feminists, which is unfortunate, but probably needs to i guess needs to happen or or a uh, a predictable consequence of where society is going in that now that republicans are not in office they need to have a culture war to fight and instead of having any sort of uh, actual policy thoughts or things that could help people in these states that just hoover up federal dollars like it's their job they're going towards women's sports and it's predominantly men getting insulted over women's sports and fairness therein which let's let's just for a real brief second if you're a man Mm -hmm. and your opinion is that you want to dominate women's bodies ideas minds athletics in any way go fuck yourself (laughs) yeah i haven't seen a woman on social media say i'm afraid for my sporting competitiveness i've only seen men 
say, I'm worried about this woman's sport that I never pay attention to. Otherwise, I'm worried about the WNBA. Name two WNBA teams. <laughs> I can't even name one. Yeah. <laughs> what is the WNBA? I mean, isn't that the... Uh, it's the White Nationalist Basketball Association. <laughs> I love it. Isn't that what like women's sports pundits always joke about, like name five players? If you are going to kvetch about trans issues in women's sports, name five players. LeBron... Uh... <laughs> James. LeBrona Jameson? <laughs> yeah. She uh, plays for the St. Louis Cardinals uh, <laughs> in the White Nationalist Baseball Association. <laughs> All jokes aside, and we obviously, because of who we are, are going to end with jokes, but the time is now to include trans women in women's sports. Trans yeah, women just... are women. Let's give them the opportunity and let's give them an equal footing in the world, not just athlete athletics, yeah, but in the world. And we will like, I guarantee one, most old white men will forget about this battle as soon as they have another one to fix. <laughs> like just bring up Benghazi. Trust me. They'll be pissed <laughs> off. But two, the world will be better off for it. Athletics will be better off. The lives of these women will be better off. And we'll be able to celebrate more people as great athletes and not have to say, well, this great trans athlete is competing in the trans Olympics to win the trans gold medal. We can just say this elite woman's athlete won a gold medal. And that's the day that I think Evan and I and many allies are looking forward to. Yeah. Amen. Uh, if you compete in a sport, you should be able to compete in the sport. All right. With that, folks, we have rambled long enough for one day. If something cool and crazy happens in the world of the NHL trade deadline, I just refreshed. I haven't seen anything since the Felino trade. Uh, but if anything cool or crazy comes, you can. Uh, well, you'll probably hear about it elsewhere first, <laughs> but we'll surely talk about it. We'll yawn about it next week. In the meantime, you know, thanks everybody for listening. We are thrilled as always to have you around, to have you here. You know, we know we kind of jump back and forth across uh, seriousness and humor, seriousness and humor. Um, but that's uh, that's absolutely by design because whenever I get too serious about anything, I start to cry. <laughs> Um, and pain is the source of all good humor pain is <laughs> truly yeah like, yeah uh, we obviously deeply care about these issues and though we have kind of imperfect understandings of them as of yet we're also evolving and so if you have feedback about what we've said here that is critical or whatnot please reach out to us because we're learning we have open minds and open ears and we both want to be better allies and better people for the people around us if you want to reach out to us you can find us all over the internet you can find us at handsomehockey.com you can comment on our episodes there we also are on instagram handsome hockey podcast at handsome hockey on twitter or handsome hockey pod at gmail.com we also have a comments form on our website that you can use to reach out to us we also have a facebook page the handsome hockey facebook page we also have a dedicated Morse code channel. So if you, uh, unfortunately it's only one-to-one -one at this point. So if you want to get the handsome hockey podcast in Morse code, uh, please message us and, uh, we'll have our Morse code consultant reach out to you in Morse code. Our Morse code consultant actually makes more money than we do. They're very well paid. It's cause it's Morse cider and it's, well, I was going to say it's the cat, but <laughs> <laughs> you can find us. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, and our podcast host, Red Circle. Thank you, as always, for listening, for tuning in, for your feedback. We love you. We miss you. Stay handsome, everybody. Rest a bow.